Welcome, citizens of the globe, to the Front End Heroes podcast, where we discuss all things villainous and heroic about the front end of software development. Uh, my name is Evan Payne, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Scott Francis. How are you, Scott? Hey, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, it's a nice sunny day. I'm, I'm pretty happy. It's a nice, nice day in, in uh, Barcelona. Brilliant. Today's episode is sponsored by Netcentric, uh, an award-winning global alliance partner with Adobe. Both Scott and I work here as senior front-end software engineers, and we're so glad to have their support with this show. Um, moving on to our uh, talking point and topic of the day, um, this show and this episode is uh, named To Framework or Not To Framework. Um, some background is that both Scott and I have worked on various projects using front-end frameworks like Angular or Vue, um, but I have spent two years working on them, and Scott then drifted back to regular vanilla JavaScript projects, as some people do. So just kicking it off, um, maybe, Scott, what, what's been your experience using a framework, and do you have an itch to go back? How do you find them now with all the changes that happen, just being a little bit back from that for a while? Well, I think that um, definitely my t I enjoyed my time working with a framework. I mean, to put this into context, I worked uh, originally on Angular 1 uh, all the years back um, as my first project with NetCentric. Um, and I really, enjoyed, I really enjoyed doing that. Part of the reason that I actually came to the company um, was that uh, I wanted the opportunity to work with a framework and I hadn't done before. I was always vanilla JS. Although I have to say, like not too much vanilla JS. When I look back, um, I think I was uh, short of the necessary skills to really call myself an engineer. But that's by the by. Um, yeah, I, I started out working with uh, Angular. Um, really enjoyed it. Really found it was uh, a challenge at, at the start. Um, and then moved on to uh, another project which used Angular 2 when that actually first came out. Um, again, I enjoyed that. That was my first toe in the water for TypeScript and really enjoyed that too. But then one thing led to another and projects change, projects come to an end. And the next project that I worked on was not a framework. Um, and so I've been working without frameworks ever since, just straight back to, uh, to vanilla JavaScript, um, which I also really enjoy. I, I, I have to say, I really enjoy that. Um, I don't feel like I'm missing out so much because I don't work with frameworks. I know that some people really have an itch to do that. I think maybe I would see myself more as uh, uh, pragmatic in in terms of my career and uh, how I work. Um, I'm very much, okay, so the project doesn't require a framework, therefore I don't need to worry about that for the time being. Um, yeah. But... I understand that like you've worked with nothing but frameworks since uh, <laughs> since I started working with you, which was has got to be like nearly five years ago now. Four, only four. Four, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's only been four. Well, a few months past four. But no, um, uh, the first year I um, um, well, only worked on vanilla JavaScript because uh, you were on the Angular projects, but I was just on the vanilla side, um, creating the base ah, of the yes. website that, that we worked on, and then doing a CSS style guide thing as well. Um, but then I moved to a... Um, my, my first encounter with, with Angular 2 was when it was still in beta, but we were using it um, along with 
NativeScript to develop. I know with Ionic was very, very first uh, doing a mobile app. And then we switched over to use NativeScript with Angular for the mobile app. So I had a weird introduction to it where the tech lead on the project was a backend Java developer who just one of these genius types that learned Angular 2 and how it worked in one night. He just kind of read through the docs and was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's a lot like Java. And he installed in, he instilled in me some kind mm-hmm. of what I now consider anti-patterns for working with Angular. But it was, wasn't mature yet at the time, uh, the latest versions of Angular. Um, but then over time, I, you know, I got more comfortable in it. I took over the tech lead responsibilities and started to feel out my own way of how that framework best worked. And then moved over to just a pure Angular. Um, the backenders were uh, kind of secondary to the front end on this particular project. Um, four front enders leading the team. And um, that was really exciting. That was a, about a year and a half of just joyous coding, complex features, you know, um, using NGRX for the store and just pushing the every day felt like pushing my limits and um, the tool was there to support me. So and then in the meantime, just as backup, I've been working on side projects in Vue um, and things like that for quite some time as well, just to make sure I'm keeping the pulse on the regular uh, or on what else is going on in the framework world. Okay, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't actually get that much time to do like side projects or anything like that. I mean, I've dipped my toe into uh, React. Um, I think I also made like, a prototype thing with uh, with Vue when Vue first came out. There was a time I had uh, about uh, two or three weeks where there wasn't so much to do in projects, and so I decided just to take a look at it. Um, so I, at the time when I would just when I'd just come out of working with Angular. Then I really did look at React and I did look at Vue as well, um, and but in terms of like side projects for me now, like they they're like non-existent really. And I suppose that that would frighten a lot of people. I know it would that they don't constantly have something else going on. They don't have um, they're not constantly touching what you would consider to be like the the cutting edge of the industry. Mm. Um, but that's just something that I, I don't really feel. I really don't. I have, over the years, as I mentioned before, like when I first started uh, at this company, I, I look back now and I definitely think that I couldn't really call myself uh, an engineer. I think that my experience with JavaScript when I came into the company really was limited to making forms work uh, and probably nothing else really. But it had never been required. So like, when I actually started working on Angular, the, the challenge, just as you mentioned, the challenge was really great. Um, and every day, it was like super intense. Um, I think that now, now I have great faith in my ability with JavaScript that if I was told we have a client and the solution is going to be in view and we would like you to come on board with the project, I have enough faith in my ability with JavaScript now to say, okay, I'm going to put some time in now and I'm going to learn this uh, and actually be able to put that into practice. But for a, not for a second do I think that that would immediately bring me to the level that you've got to with uh, with Angular, for example. Yeah. Well, I, I think it comes over time and, and you always have to have the appropriate problems to solve. Um, the danger, of course, is once, and I think I'm guilty of this, 
when you have the hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? You, you have this tool that you're comfortable using. And when you see a problem, you don't think, oh, maybe that requires a screwdriver, not, uh, you know, uh, a hammer. But um, you're so used to using the hammer. I think in the broader sense, a lot of people with React do that. But React is maybe different because it is not so heavy handed. Maybe it's becoming more so with the context API and such. But Angular, I think most people un- uh, agree, is pretty prescriptive and heavy handed. It, it defines how you should do things. And it, it is kind of a key framework in that sense because it gives you the scaffolds on which to build all the things that you do. And there's kind of a right way to do many different things. Um, I, I, I guess the if you haven't been working with them, it's hard to understand what problems they're actually there to solve for you and why you would need them. Um, and even after working with them for years, I'm not always clear on those. I've, I've had to when I explain to a customer why we should use this as a solution. Um, and I can go into some of those, but I, I, I do think that that's a blocking point for a lot of people when they've only worked on other projects and then they're interested, but they don't know how to explain the value that they would get out of a framework to their client or uh, their team. Yeah, and I think that's a I think that's a big thing because um, really, there's lots of for instance, there's lots of tutorials around. You could, uh, according to the internet, according to YouTube tutorials, you can learn anything in about twenty minutes. So you know, you could, yeah, I'm sure that there's somewhere that tells me that I could uh, put together uh, uh, an Angular app that's amazing in like a couple of tutorials time. And I think that if you were just starting out as a developer, then, and you did one of those tutorials, you'd be super happy with that. I mean, we can all remember back to the first time that we actually made something appear in a browser, you know, that was a little bit more than hello world. I mean, and you're, you're super excited. You've made something, you've put something into, God, when I did it, it was like notepad. You write something into notepad and open a browser and you get to see like a web page and you think, wow, this is incredible. And you're probably hooked on that. Um, the, the Angular tutorials, well, the framework tutorials, that are out there probably put you about that same level and it's not it's obviously not good enough for a client it's not good enough for somebody to actually pay for and it's not and it's probably not even a great way of working it's probably more efficient to actually do things like in vanilla javascript because it's so basic um it probably speed up probably speed up your development a little bit but it's just a toe in the water it's not it's not making, it's not realizing like just how powerful these things can be. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I think um, you see tools like Svelte that are coming out, which do a lot of the same things that frameworks like Vue and Angular do. They have the binding, um, so the templates are kind of the key of that. Um, they make the syntax as simple as possible. So it, I, I think the better frameworks do their best to get out of the way of you writing code. And if you don't know JavaScript, you're not going to be good at writing framework code anyway. Like if you write messy JavaScript, the framework's not going to help you fix that magically. Um, I thought I think I saw a quote the other day where someone was saying like, "It's not React that makes inaccessible sites; it's you coding inaccessible sites." <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like it's your fault. Yeah. You you can figure out a way to do it if you want to. The, the framework by itself is not the bad thing. Um, no, yeah, I you look, could hack something together. Yeah, I I guess for me the reason that I always reach for this tool is 
the the idea that everything has its place. So and and we are working in an era currently which is very component centric. So we think of putting together a website not as just a single page where everything gets shoved in there and then the JavaScript is a single file where everything goes in there. No, we, we want to break it down so it's composable, it's modular, and components especially really help us do that. Sometimes the whole page is a component, yeah, but in, when you have that thought process in mind, then your file structure within a framework and within your JavaScript projects is is already starting to move into that. And what the frameworks do is they give you some tools that every component probably needs. Things like a life cycle to say, okay, I want more control over as this thing is brought onto the page, I need a place where that is, happens and so I can start to fetch data and set up some variables. And then once the whole page is ready, I need to be able to tell it to do something like animate into place or hide or show or something like that. And then when the user interacts with it, I'd like specific moments uh, at which that can happen. And then when they browse to the next part of the page uh, or the site, um, you know, I, I want to know when it's about to leave and so I can do some transition outs and things like that. And that, that I think was the genesis of a lot of these frameworks was giving control over the interaction life cycles and the load life cycles. Yeah, and I, I really see that we take an approach to make components in like non-framework uh, work that we do. So mm. even thinking into projects that I work on, um, we still we still try and do that on a modular level, we still try and do that uh, like individual components. Um, and I think the difficulty there is, like, like I look at I look at the projects that uh, that I work on currently, and I think that it would totally make sense that we could use th that we're making components. So it would totally make sense that we could use um, like a framework to build those components. We kind of we're kind of spoofing that anyway. Um, I think that I get, I completely get the principle of like making components, um, and like how a framework can actually help you with that, especially as you mentioned with like the life cycle and things, um, and actually have that already plumbed in, and so that you can take advantage of that straight away instead of having to do that like from scratch basically. Which is if we were taking our approach, um, I mean it's not a it's not a single page application, so it's not well, that's really suitable for it. Yeah. But if I mean, that's yeah, that's the problem. I mean, like, it's not a single page application. It's still a website. And I mean, maybe there would be a way of actually um, changing that. But I think then that's almost like crowbarring a framework into a website. Well, yeah, we, we're doing that currently on my project. And it, it feels a little bit <laughs> okay. like that. Um, it's, it's exciting in some ways, uh, taking what was a static site, um, you know, a bunch of HTML pages, and then injecting Angular whenever they load one of those static routes or one of one of those entry points, essentially, uh, getting Angular to bootstrap at that stage, Angular takes over the routing and replaces the content. And it's funny, like the, our first sprint in this is literally it has to be exactly the same when we start from when we finish. Uh, but now it is a single page app. Um, but the way that we kind of pitch this to the client and what works the best, uh, the reason that it was the right tool for the job is that fluidity that you get um, with a single page app. 
So right now, people are used to, you click on a page, the um, page goes white for a second, the new stuff loads in. And the browser has cached some scripts and stuff, so it, it loads faster the second time you load the site, etc. So it's invisible to us because we're not paying attention. But you'd lose any real ability to get rid of that frame of white before things have loaded. Um, uh-huh. I know there are tricks and hacks to make that happen, but why, like, why even reload the page at all? Why even request new HTML via the browser stuff if you can just get the content that's going to change? Smaller package, smaller payload. You can even load it before they click on a link. So I like that approach of like hovering over a link. It loads the content of that link. And then when you click on the link, it's already either done or most of the way done doing that request. And you can just change the content that the user sees with animations and with transitions and things like that. Um, You also get the ability to maintain sessions in a little easier kind of way. They're not reloading the page, so none of that stuff has to be reset each time. There's there's definitely benefits. It, um, I think it's a powerful tool, but you have to have the right use case for it as well. Just having a, you know, an ad site yeah. that's based on a bunch of single pages or like static pages is not the right use case for a single page app. So, do you really need a framework? Yeah, exactly. This exactly. Um, I think that. The other, the other side of this is, I mean, I can totally get on board with uh, what you've just said. Like it does, where, where it's a good fit, they're, they're amazing. Um, and I'm not against frameworks. I just, you know, I've worked with them in the past and I don't work with them now. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to work with them in the future. Um, I think the other side of this coin is, as well, is actually talking with the people who are paying for, for what you're delivering. Um, and talking to talking to clients and actually getting them to get on board, because um, there's you would have to sell uh, a framework and why this framework is going to be the one that you're going to use for their project that they're paying for, and I think that that can be uh, a heavy task as well. I mean, for instance, we when I first started working on an Angular One project, um, by the time we'd finished that. Angular 2 came out, and I think like people know that um, the only similarity that they had was the name. Um, like so, so a client had something developed in Angular 1, and then the next project was going to be in Angular 2, but they were completely different skill sets, really. I mean, you needed, you needed different skill sets. And I think that kind of thing can make uh, clients a little wary that maybe oh, yeah. this thing isn't going to stick around forever. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I like I've switched contexts between an internal project that we have that is using Vue and Angular, and it drives me nuts because they're you know they're similar enough in how they function, but the the rules are different and the 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 setup and how you do things is different, and that could be potentially adjusted. But I've always just been less productive in Vue, so. Um, when I pitch to the clients, I say Angular because I kind of know that I'll be working on it and that I will be as productive as possible there. But there has come up a few times, like, why don't we use React? And I mean, that's a hard one to answer because, you know, more and more people now have uh, experience with React. We will be hiring more people for, for our teams that will have that experience, but we are not selling that to our customers. 
because we have currently more people that have experience with Angular, let's say. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it will depend really on who's involved in the pitch process, for one. And then I think each framework has its own sort of benefits. So you would reach for Vue or React first if it was a very complex standalone component that didn't need routing or it had its own routing but could live within another page, that's a great use case for those because they're very lightweight and they can be dropped in. If you need to have a single-page app kind of vibe that you know runs the whole thing, they're both appropriate too, but Angular has a lot of cool benefits and integration with RxJS, which I love, and, and things like that, which would work there. So it's, it's going to be like the, the standard, it depends. But you're never going to get over that hurdle of, hey, look, Svelte just came out. Hey, look, um, you know, Aurelia version whatever is now out. It's so be- so much better than the others. And then clients are going to hear those buzzwords and those, you know, topics and be like, why aren't we switching to that? Or do we have to switch to that? Um, I'd like to yeah, say it's getting yeah, more. I, yeah, go ahead. I think that I think that clients, I mean, the industry gets kind of um, could get like fatigued by all the the latest frameworks and, you know, the buzzwords that go around. And I think that um, definitely that that could get down to clients as well. If you, uh, certainly the longer frameworks are around, I think that clients would become more and more fatigued by what they're hearing because the chances are they've been pitched um, all of these different frameworks at some point. And they really, for me, I would imagine that like lots of clients would just want somebody with like, good authority just saying, no, you should use this one for this particular reason. Um, and not like they, they, in the end, they would get tired of hearing why, like why they should suddenly switch to Svelte and they've spent loads of money developing other applications in React and Vue. Like they would, in the end, everybody would get fatigued by this. Um, and I think that's a really tricky thing. Well, I, I think that brings up another interesting point about, um, even our own work, but customer work as well, is what are, what are the what is the lifetime of these projects we're building? You know, um, I've seen the nature of it is maybe like you build a new thing for them from scratch, and it lasts, you know, two, three, four, maybe five years before politics within their organization dictates that there must be a new one. You know, um, I mean. Right now, that is that feels like that maybe we shouldn't acknowledge that at times because you know we want to build the the most longstanding things, but even like regular developers, we change out our personal websites and you know projects constantly because new stuff comes along, better approaches. We want to learn new things um, and make the experience better for the user. I don't know that we have to be so fixated on not changing the approach. Yes, okay, every year would be not good or cost-efficient at all. But, you know, understanding that, yes, we're going to build it this way. It is currently the best approach. In three years, it might be outdated, but we'll fix it when it comes to that. I mean, is that valid? Yeah, definitely is. And I, mean, I, I even think that um, that we should start developing things that kind of have a, um, a lifetime like uh, that, that we would actually like map that out with the client at the beginning of a, of a project. Like I think the difficulty with uh, any web work is that um, it's not that there isn't anything tangible because you can actually see something on the screen. You can actually see something on a device, um, but there's nothing. It doesn't 
ever appear to be degrading in quality or like maybe maybe speed would be something that they would notice like suddenly they would see a new website and it's quicker uh, and they would suddenly want to know why theirs is slow in comparison but we know as developers that there is basically uh, a lifetime of something that you're making and um, you know i think to applications that are out there that i that i developed what four years ago no, five years ago and really they're at the end of the the life cycle but nobody ever mentioned this at the beginning and nobody's mentioned it really like now until i've actually just said this but um but things definitely have a, a life cycle um and that's dictated one of the things that's dictated by is the way that something like a framework would move on um it would now it would be it would be ridiculous really to like put high maintenance into an angular one application because really the product's out of date um and so i think that ties in with like the the pace that things move and we just have to see oh i think for a bigger company um you would definitely look at um for that reason you would definitely look at more stable solutions you would definitely if like spelt might have come out now and it might be amazing but is it really something that a bigger company could sell to another big client um not really having like seen how it's going to pan out. I think a bigger company needs to kind of have that assurance with a framework uh, before they actually invest in it. Because specifically because there's going to be a life, there's going to be a certain lifetime for the things that they're building and people want at least value for money. I mean, they don't want things to go out of date like in six months. That would just be crazy. Yeah. yeah well, I, I think, you know, the, the way that we choose to implement something in a framework or not has maybe more to do with the tools that are easily available, uh, the libraries that that framework uses, than the framework itself. And I think Vue is a great example of this, is the framework is not super heavy. Um, in fact, you could probably do without it, or at the very least, like, you know, React has its, you know, uh, react.create element, which is really easy to recreate because it is simple under the hood. There is more that goes on there and there's optimizations and stuff, but you don't need that necessarily to build out elements, build out custom components, make things work the way you want them to. But for like, when I reach for Angular, there are, the, the setup is what I'm reaching for, which could be reproduced in regular file structure and vanilla JavaScript services and singletons and, you know, classes and things, all that can be done with no framework. And then the other part that is my favorite is the reactivity or specifically reactive programming that's made available, not through Angular necessarily, but through RxJS. And that also as a standalone library, I could integrate into a vanilla JavaScript project, but I don't. Um, probably because it's there's a couple of extra steps that are needed to make the dom like the elements in the dom automatically respond to changes from the subscriptions whereas angular has integrated that under the hood so as soon as you use the async pipe it is now it's subscribing and there was no javascript that you needed to write to make that happen that's really uh, helpful but i like i like i like to think of it that way that people reach for React because Redux is there and it solves a particular problem, but they don't need React for Redux. But at the same time, 
why not do both at once? It's people are in between on that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It, it really does. I think that, you know, recently though, I've been thinking about um, whether, like, so we have these, we have the different frameworks and we agree that they do different things and they can, they can be really useful, but I don't know. How do you see the future? Do you see like, where would you see web components going, for instance? Do you think that they would be a challenge for, for frameworks? I mean, like, it seems to me, it's always seemed to me that if there was, like, one standard, um, then, and that, that something like web components could recreate um, uh, a framework, whether whether that could actually work. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's going to pan out this way, but I think it could work where you can have web components that use all of the other, any of the frameworks you want. So potentially you could have a Vue, React, and an Angular, and a Svelte, and a vanilla web component all interacting on the same page. And that's going to be something that's, I think, possible in the future. I mean, Angular already has this Angular elements thing. The other frameworks, because they're so lightweight, I think can just do that out of the box, maybe. I could be wrong. Um, But then you need also a coordination layer. So something that can say like, okay, this component now needs to change the, you know, global store. And maybe that is a framework specific thing, but probably it won't be. Probably there will be something like, you know, a pre-built into the browser web worker thing that just listens for these changes. Look, this, that's the dream, right? That there is a a non-vendor specific system for communication between the web components i don't know if that's realistic yeah. or not all right that we no, always no, but, think that, that but that's all, be great that's, but yeah yeah sorry that, that that's a that sort of thing for me like it's always been has always been the dream i mean i guess at heart i'm still like i still think that the web can solve like lots of problems and it doesn't need to be about like uh specific vendors or anything like that so that for me would kind of be like the the utopia i, I think that um i still have great hope that one day like the the Apple like the Apple uh, stranglehold on on apps, for instance, or they they're going to open up so that we can all use like progressive web apps uh, instead yeah. of like having to learn well, I, how to like code in in um, Swift or anything like that. But you know but, that's like probably pie in the sky stuff. No, not necessarily. I I, I think that um, as long as there's not uh, as long as there's well, I was going to say browser competition. That can be good. Um, um, I'm, I, I think I, we won't go into it on this show, but you know, the the whole thing with Edge moving to Chromium is a little worrisome, perhaps. But I, I think that the standards bodies are doing a great job of evolving the the tools, like the browser APIs. And while the vendors are sometimes slow or hesitant to implement certain things, I mean, you have like custom events, for example. Those are now, you know, fully supported for quite some time. I think IE 11 didn't support them, but from, you know, uh, edge onwards, it's fine. And if you have that sort of thing in place, then there is a standard by which these components can communicate because you know that if you use a custom event that's named a certain thing and the other component can listen for that certain thing, maybe it's not that the frameworks or the components themselves know exactly what these strings are. Maybe you do have to configure them yourself, but 
still there exists the ability for you to control and make these things work together. And I like as it's evolving as well, these browser APIs are becoming more useful for this. I mean, Web Workers was an amazing thing um, to have implemented and evolved. And it's not everywhere yet, but it's getting there. Um, it's exciting times. I mean, it, I, I guess the question then is, you know, Polymer, uh, the web components project there, started off as a kind of framework, actually. And over time, it stopped doing that. It stopped aiming for that as their goal and really became more about just getting web components working everywhere. Maybe that's going to be the same for these other frameworks. The The problem that they're trying to uniquely solve, maybe like, you know, DOM management or, you know, um, routing, something like that, those will become built into the browser as tools available. And then the framework won't be as necessary anymore. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the grip, well, the, the thing for me is like that could be, like the utopia, that could be the end point. But the the thing that's obvious about frameworks is that they don't work with standard bodies, uh, so to speak. Mm. So that so that's just developers really developing what is possible very quickly, um, without the need to put um, like any checks on. Basically, the community decides if that's um, if it's going to be something that's useful, um, which is is great. I mean, like it just moves things forward really quickly. But then, obviously, that's. You don't have things where there's like standard compliance, um, where I think that web components and like is definitely something that that would have that that check, but it's never going to move as quickly. So I don't know. I mean, like this is this is a very very large subject to to take on. Like yeah, whether definitely. whether frameworks are going to be like gobbled up by standards uh, by web components that are um, set out with great standards. So I don't know. I, I would hope I, I, that eventually it would happen, but who knows? I, I think the takeaway there, though, is that it's not going to happen within your next project's life cycle. <laughs> uh, when it starts to happen... <laughs> I was, was going to say within my career. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I have hopes that it'll happen within the career. I mean, there's some amazing stuff happening, like Houdini and things like that, that are changing the way we build CSS on the web and, and such. But it's slow. You're right. Um I guess the last question then, or the last part of this topic that we didn't touch on before we moved into the the, uh, listener questions is uh, the developer convenience factor. Like I talked, I touched a bit on how much more productive I feel when I'm coding within a familiar framework versus something new or or even a non-framework situation. have you encountered that feeling yet? Do you do you know what's meant by that? And is it maybe, in your opinion, worth the uh, worth taking up a framework to provide the team with that sort of comfort level? No, I mean, like I, as I said before, I don't really like feel um, the ne- necessity to work with something when it's not something that's required. I mean, like I think there's. Um, the way I would look at it is you have a long career. Um, hopefully you have a long career. Um, and if you let that career pan out, um, then you would find that in this industry, you would get many opportunities to, to do many things. Um, and so uh, you should always do, in my opinion, you should always do what is best for the particular project that you're working on. And then you move to the next one. And if that's where 
you get the experience with the framework and that's where you get the real heavy challenge, then just let that play out. I would, I, to any young developer, I would say just like realize that this is not just like two years. This is, this can be for a long, long time. And so don't worry so much about um, why the, whether you're actually doing like something super, like um, super progressive or super cutting edge. Um, just let that let things play out, and if you if you really really want to get involved in that sort of thing, then really seek it out. Um, you can you can make that happen. I think that as a team, as somebody who's looking after a team, I wouldn't like push to find a way to use a framework just to keep those guys happy. I think that number one is the project that you have at hand. I mean, yeah, is that, I, how, how would you see how would you see things? Yeah, um, I'm. I, I definitely agree with you that if your team is asking for it, but you aren't comfortable with it, then it's not going to benefit them to switch to it. Um, if you're the lead of a team, you should choose what is going to be best for the project first and foremost, whatever the other case is, and then do your best to help make things more convenient for the developers, like setting good structures, like setting good best practices, um, like having a, a, a build that automates all the tricky stuff, you know, th those kind of things are the, the base level. And yes, frameworks can take care of a lot of that for you. When you install Angular and run the build, it just kind of works because it's been tested um, like across millions of users potentially. Um, but for me, I, I, I think it's this, if you are comfortable with a particular framework and you know the ins and outs of it, that ability to guide your team and to set standards, even like within the frameworks already existing standards, can be really valuable and make things a lot easier on them. So if uh, an example of this would be, again, like a service, a developer that's new to a project might say, okay, well, I'm inside this component, the component needs to make an API request. Um, I'll just use fetch because that's what I've done before and then I'm done. But what if the, another component needs to use that same thing? What if there is a, a variation on that API request and now you start to have it existing in multiple places and then the spec changes or the backend changes things and you have to edit five files to, to clean it up and it gets overwhelming. It, when you have something like uh, Angular or, or other ones that rely on this idea of services, then you move all that API logic into a service that has some methods that are exposed publicly and some other ones that are not. And then the components only need to know that the service exists and what methods there are for it to use. And then the service can be extended and it's all in a central location. That kind of thing can always be built into vanilla JavaScript, but there's, you know, even schematics for Angular help make that faster when you know that it already exists, when you know that that's the right way to do it. If you don't, if you're learning those, well, it's 50-50 from my side, which one you should go with. And it will just really depend on, does the project really need a single page app? Does it really need a lot of view manipulation? Are you dealing with complex forms? All the questions that arise with that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So no, are we've... You, are uh, you, uh, are you... Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, are you ready for uh, are you ready for a a user question? A, a That's exactly question? what I was going to say. Um, we've we've <laughs> reached this time in the podcast where we uh, 
ask our users to send us some questions that they have about the topic that we announce. In this case, it was to framework or not to framework. Um, Scott, would you uh, read off the first question? Yeah, and I mean, uh, as this is the first episode, I just will point out that our listeners are actually just colleagues. Um, <laughs> rather, we hope to have listeners. Um, okay, so the first question, and they're both big questions. So the first question is, um, if Facebook disappeared, would React go with it? Um, I have my own own thoughts on this. I think that um, first, even though I don't see the reason for Facebook, I don't see it disappearing. Um, But obviously, like React is now so big and out in the community that, and it's so heavily relied upon that, like, how could it disappear? Like, not overnight anyway. I mean... Uh, I actually think there's more chance that Facebook could disappear overnight than React. But. Well, but also keep in mind that um, Preact still exists and is out there. And the idea is, uh, even if Facebook suddenly closed its source on React because they were closing down, considered proprietary, and said, no, we're not going to support this. One, like... Uh, mirrors of the repo live all over the place and that's not going to go away quickly but also it solves the problem people like using it so someone will make it open source change enough things to make it like acceptable and that they won't get sued over and then just continue to grow and develop it like that's the beauty of having these open source frameworks and things it's like you say if facebook itself being so heavily involved can really be a downside but it's you know, it's nice um, to have an open source community involved in it. And it it does make you think, well, okay, you're right. Uh, Any of these projects could potentially be shuttered or abandoned, as with Google, many things in the past have been. Um, But if it's already open source, that's a great start. And if you're worried about that, you know, use Mozilla browsers, right? Like use Vue, which is, you know, publicly funded. Um, It's, there's options available too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so the final question um, is, does anybody really, really need to know pure JS anymore? Um, haven't we just moved on from it? And I guess what they're getting at here is, like, surely you could make a living without doing what we did and learning JS before you move into a framework. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I... I... I think that's intended to be an incendiary question, but um, I, you know, <laughs> there are people that are putting on their resumes React developers or Angular developers, and I think that's nonsense. I mean, one, you're boxing yourself into a corner. If things change, you now have to say like, oh, I wasn't really a React developer for all that time. I was a JavaScript developer, etc. Because at the end of the day, writing your code most of the code that you write in these frameworks is vanilla JavaScript. There are some things you need to understand that are provided for you that are kind of hidden. And so that's how you can call yourself a particular framework developer. But again, in my experience, 95% or more of what you're writing in the actual code is not the boilerplate, is not the uh, things that come from the framework, but is actual just vanilla code, JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. And you focus on those fundamentals, 
you will always be an invaluable uh, invaluable part of your team. And if you don't, you're going to struggle to keep growing in your career, I think. What do you think? Yeah, so I totally agree. I think it's all about fundamentals. Get your fundamentals right, and it doesn't matter what frameworks are going to come along and what are going to what frameworks are going to disappear. If you have your fundamentals right, then that's the most important thing, and that's what I would always put to anybody if they asked, like, "What would you do to get into the industry?" Well, learn your basics first. Like, don't dive into don't dive into a framework. Learn learn the basics. Um, it might not seem too glamorous, and it might not be. You know, maybe you know people who are who are framework developers or working in, not framework developers, but working with a framework and that might seem like the best thing to do, but it really isn't. Just learn your fundamentals, get the basics right first and everything else will follow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Um, we're getting close to the end of our time. Have we answered our question here to framework or not to framework? What do you think? I think we had a nice chat. I don't know whether we got to the to a definitive answer. I think uh, it's still it's still something for people to make their own minds up. I mean, like our opinions on on the subject is pretty clear by now. But I think uh, it's an impossible. It's almost an impossible question to answer. But it's a nice conversation well, to have. Thanks. I mean, most things in the the front end are like that. When you ask a direct question, the answer is almost always going to be it, it depends. Um, and I think that's the case here as well. Okay, it looks like that's all the time we have for today, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you should like, heart, star us in your podcatcher of choice. Um, reviews and ratings are how the uh, fancy algorithms help people find our content. And the power is within you. So until next time, heroes, remember, with great front-end power comes great responsibility. See you next time. <laughs>